0: Today's sponsor is Audible.com. Audible has more than 180,000 audiobooks and spoken word audio products. Get a free audiobook of your choice at audible.com talkingdead. The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hello, everybody. My name is Chris. And
1: my name is Jason.
0: And this is The Talking Dead number 229, recorded on the evening of Monday, October the 5th, 2015. The evening of? That's right. I thought thought I'd be extra specific this time. Yes. Well, it is evening. Yep, it is evening. You may be listening in the evening, in the morning, in the afternoon, in the tub, in bed, in the car, who knows, really. Uh, But thank you for tuning in, and thank you for joining us here on the podcast this week. We are here, of course, to talk about the Fear the Walking Dead season finale for season one, so that's very exciting. Um, but first, we're going to look take a quick look back at last week on Fear the Walking Dead with a little bit of feedback, and also I just want to throw out one more reminder to everyone to visit walkingdeathpool.com and join our pool over there in case you missed it the last couple of weeks when we've been talking about it. What you do is you visit that site, and you sign up, and then enter picks for who you think will die in The Walking Dead Season 6. Um, and you also want to join our pool, so... Join our pool. It's called the Talking Dead Podcast. There's a whole bunch of people that have joined already, and uh, Making Picks will close the day or two before uh, season six starts. So you have kind of the rest of this week to get your picks in before next Sunday night. Join the Talking Dead Podcast pool, and it's all for fun. We'll just see who comes out on top, who makes the most accurate picks or guesses on who's going to not survive season six. Right. Do you remember what picks you made, Jason? No. No. All right. Well, we'll figure that out later. I made some, you made some, and uh, it should be fun. That's walkingdeathpool.com. All right. Let's jump right in, shall we? we got lots of stuff to talk about this week. I would like that. All right. Listener feedback. Okay. So we're going to take a quick look back, as I said, at last week's uh, episode of Fear the Walking Dead. It was episode number five. And our first email here comes from Chris in the UK. It's taken five episodes, Chris says, but now I'm sufficiently moved to get in contact regarding Fear the Walking Dead. Torture is futile, but plenty of people believe in it. Jason got this spot on. Torture is an effective way to get someone to say what you want them to say. Torturers tend to think that what they want to hear is the truth. So from their perspective, it would seem to work every time. I also think that in this case, what we have here is Daniel seizing at least the illusion of power and control over a long period of powerlessness. Come to think of it, that probably drives torturers in the real world, too.
1: Right. And no one expects the Spanish Inquisition.
0: (laughs) No, no one really does. Because I think that's where, you know, torturing really,
1: really got a foothold in uh, modern society.
0: The Spanish Inquisition? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Okay. Well, it was uh, the Inquisition, where the, you uh, you would torture non-believers into repenting or something. Uh, I, I to guess. That effect.
0: Sure, I don't know. I think last week you were saying, though, that, yeah, torturing is really about getting people to, to say what you want them to say, whether it's yeah. it's true or not. And I think in this case, it just so happened that um, what uh, Adams, Andrew Adams, the soldier's name is, was saying was true, although we don't really see the full extent of it in today in the season finale which we'll we'll get into and there could be some reasons for that but uh anyways daniel salazar was the torturer and he was you know getting information that he thought he wanted and getting some control or getting at least feeling like he was back in control by administering the torture
1: that probably had a lot to do with
0: it. Yeah, I think is, so.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: All right, next we have Angie in Birmingham. Hey, so wait, hey, before you read this one- I'm this, waiting. Okay, good. I was thinking, An- Angie's email here is, is a little bit long, and she quotes um, Griselda's monologue in this. Mm-hmm. Maybe one of us should read the monologue, and the other should read the rest of the email.
1: Well, all right, I'll read the monologue.
0: Okay, so then I should start? Well, I'll read up until the end of the monologue. No, no, no. I, I'll, I'll Let's do it this way, okay? Here. All right. Angie in Birmingham. Hey guys, just wanted to bring up something that you didn't touch on in the podcast, Griselda's monologue. I came to you as a girl, poor and stupid. I promised myself to you because
1: I was young and I did not know your nature. I saw the devil's face. He showed me his face. It's yours. All those nights, all those nights, my husband and I together, waiting for them to break down the door, the faces of the disappeared, uh, waiting to curse us with their torches, their rope. I did what I did. I loved who I loved. What did you want me to do? So take my flesh piece by piece. If that's my penance, do it now. I will not ask you why. I know your nature. You know mine.
0: I feel it explains Daniel's actions in this episode. He mentioned about the local townsfolk being taken away and killed uh, when he was a young man. I am assuming that at some point in the future, Daniel sought revenge. Either that, or he worked for the men doing the killing. So whilst That makes his actions in the past questionable. It troubles me when I hear listeners call him crazy. He is not. Neither was Shane, nor are they dangerous. They are people that are ahead of the game. As Shane said, you can't be the good guy and expect to live. Also, it's not difficult. The right choice is the one that keeps us alive. So what do you think about that? There's obviously the comparison of uh, um, Daniel to Shane, and these are people that just— are able to see the situation for what it is and, mm-hmm. and react to it rather than not understand what's going on or or not know what to do in the situation.
1: Well, I think, uh, I think Angie has it right that he is definitely, uh, I think, it, you know, uh, Griselda's monologue is about her and her husband and about uh, her husband being uh, what she perceives as evil and then her, uh, you know, being evil because she loved someone who is evil. And, uh, the fact that uh, I'm not sure whether he wanted revenge because all the people in his village were being taken away or whether he w- became part of that and taking people away. Either way, he was, uh, he was definitely on the doling out end of torture and, uh, whether or not he's ahead of the game, I'm not really sure he might, I don't think he's as head of the game as Shane was because i don't think shane was uh, had a past of being this kind of evil i think he just turned into somebody that he felt he needed to be in order to survive whereas uh <sighs> daniel yeah daniel no i know i'm just i'm trying to form my thoughts daniel uh i think was evil before and he's kind of reverting back to who he was which he thinks is necessary to to survive and i think they're slightly different.
0: Yeah, and it very well may be. Uh, I mean, we've seen people on both sort of sides on in the universe of The Walking Dead get by very well, some more evil than others, right? Yeah. Um, but but it also could just be the, the only fallback option he has, right? He, he came out of whatever conflict he was involved in that had to do—that had some torturing, and when he— you know, he, he left that in the past for a while, became a barber, ran a shop, and now something's going on where he sees a need to, to go back to that. So, yeah, um, yeah, he's, he's, I don't, I don't think he's exactly like Shane. I think you're right. Shane, Shane just saw things for what they were, and he was the type of guy who wanted to take control and wasn't afraid to, to just do stuff and start killing zombies and so on, without right. necessarily understanding the full picture of what was going on.
1: So Shane was an asshole before the zombie apocalypse, and I think he turned into a super asshole during the zombie apocalypse, whereas Daniel was a torturer before the zombie apocalypse and turned into a torturer during the zombie
0: apocalypse. So the zombie apocalypse brings out your true personality. Maybe.
1: I I think it brought it out in the case of Shane, and I think uh,
0: Daniel's reverting
1: to it, uh... Because of this, this stressful situation, when in doubt, find some poor bastard to torture information out of. Right, right.
0: Uh nice read on the monologue, by the way. Thanks. All right. I missed a
1: word. Did you notice
0: it? I did not. Okay, good. <laughs> Hopefully it wasn't an important word. It was just <laughs> no. a the or It was and. the word now. Oh, now okay. Okay. you know mine. Okay. There you go. Close. I don't think I don't think the meaning was lost. <laughs> right. Uh okay. So what does this mean? The next one is for me? Yes, it is. OK, Anthony in Independence, Missouri, writes, "I think the military took Travis with them to show him the real world. Knowing that he was the de facto mayor of the gated community, he would then be more apt to follow them with what the military follow along with what the military wanted done. That would scare Travis into doing uh, whatever they wanted him to do. Makes some sense? It does
1: make sense, I think it's a little more uh planning than what I think the, the military leaders were capable of at that point. I think that they were all just kind of flying by the seat of their pants I, it seems a little planned to take them out into the real world. I think it was just anger and frustration what uh, when they made uh when they made him try and shoot the zombie well or maybe to make him shoot the zombie yeah
0: i I don't know that that was planned necessarily, but I can see how um what was his name uh moyers He, before he he died, like, he was a, a, a bit of a dick, as we've talked about, and I could see him maybe thinking, well, this guy is questioning everything I do, he's not listening, he's sort of not lying down and taking it like everybody else, maybe we'll take him out, maybe he needs to see things for the way they are, or, you know, maybe we'll, he'll see, like, he'll see our true nature, as well as what things are like if we take him outside this safe gated community here, or fenced-in community, anyways. Um, I don't know if all the soldiers were thinking that, but but Moyers might have been. Could be. And then it didn't work out so well for Moyers anyways. so. <laughs> well, he might still be alive. No, wh- he's not alive. And a lot of people speculated, and this is something we didn't talk about last week, but a lot of people speculated that his soldiers, uh, they were on the verge of deserting, as it was, right? Yeah. yeah. And so a lot of people think that they purposefully... Killed him or got him killed in that encounter in the building, or just left him behind. Or just left him behind. Yeah, that's assumed.
1: True. You know, there's lots of situations in the show where uh, somebody goes into a horde of zombies and you assume ah they're dead, and you move on, mm-hmm. right? And then some somehow they survive.
0: No, that's true. It it happened with uh, Tyrese, just yeah. to name one. Um, right. So I guess they could have just left him there, but their point was that they needed to separate from him so they could. Take off right, I uh, think it's left
1: ambiguous in case they want the writers want to bring him back at some point. It's true. He, <gasps> he's come back,
0: he may show up in three seasons from now, and uh, yeah, they wouldn't have
1: to do a brain transplant like they would in a daytime television drama.
0: <laughs> it's right, we do not want Moyer's brain <laughs> transplant. <laughs> no, he's not big enough of a character to get a brain transplant, no, 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 but he can be gone for a few seasons and then suddenly reappear, yeah, they'll bring him back, maybe. All right, next we have Alex in Berlin, Germany. I'd like to comment
1: on Gala's claim from your last podcast on Madison's alcoholism. She has been shown drinking quite often on the screen, Madison, not Gala. So, wouldn't Travis <laughs> know about it? They've been drinking together, which would be quite irresponsible uh, on his part if he knew about it.
0: Right. So, Alex is just saying that, you know, it's probably not that Madison is an alcoholic. Because right. it doesn't seem like Travis is surprised by her drinking or trying to do anything to prevent it if she's, say, relapsing into alcoholism. Right. Unless he's a full-blown alcoholic,
1: too. And, you know, she has a drink and, you know, in the back of his head, he's like, oh, thank God. Now I can drink with my drinking buddy. That's so terrible, though. It can't yeah, can't that. Travis <laughs> is not a that, that kind of guy. So, yeah, <laughs> I would, uh, I think, Alex, you're right that, uh, uh, that Madison isn't an alcoholic because it would have played more. If she was drinking, it would have come up as a discussion topic. Yeah, it would have, been,
0: it would have been more of a thing on the show, yes, right? It yeah. wouldn't have just been addiction is in Nick's genes. We probably would have got a little bit more information about that. I, I mean, unless they're just trying to sprinkle it in and let us figure it out ourselves, but I, I think they it would have been a, a little bit more obvious.
1: Yeah, you know, uh, North American writers tend to beat their audience over the head with this
0: kind of stuff. That's true, it's true. <laughs> All right, finally, we've got Cayenne. Uh, I hope I'm getting that right, from Christchurch. Yeah, Cayenne, Kian, Kian from Christchurch, New Zealand. Uh, some of the commenters last week were comparing Daniel to the governor and other villains, but to me, it seemed more like the same old, I'm only going to look after my family pragna- pragmatism that our main characters on the original recipe have developed. I think they're just showing that Daniel has already been through a terrible situation where he was hardened, and had to learn the lessons we've seen Rick learn. Do you really think Rick would refuse to torture someone if he had an instinct that they knew something important to his group's survival? I don't think so. I don't know. I kind of do. Not, I a, that's don't. That's an interesting question. I don't—I can see the point here, though, about— um, Daniel has already been through, you know, a bunch of stuff, and he has— he, um, he sort of already has this, I, I'm going to look after my family mentality, but does, you know, and, and Rick has gotten there too, you know, but he's had six or five seasons to get there. Yeah. But would Rick torture someone if, on, on the suspicion that that person had information that was key to the group survival? I don't know. I'm not so sure Rick is a torturer. Shane, Absolutely. The governor, the governor, absolutely. Um, There's probably lots of other characters on the original show that would do it, Um, but but Rick, I'm not so sure. Like Rick has done some crazy, crazy things, and he goes to Crazy Town and comes back, you know, all the time. But torture is a big step, and I don't know that Rick's a torturer.
1: Yeah, I I agree with you. It's it's an interesting question, and I would like to see that come up in the uh, in the show because I would like to find out what the answer is.
0: I mean, remember when they had um, Randall? I think his name was mm-hmm. Randall. Was was that way back in season two? Randall was on the farm. Gosh, I think it might have been. Randall feels, was on feels the like, farm. Oh. I think so. Yeah, and and then um, Randall escapes, and that's when that's when. Rick or Shane takes Rick out, and Rick ends up killing him. Anyways, right, yeah, I think that was back then. Um, they had Randall; they didn't know what to do with him. Now, I guess Randall didn't necessarily have information that they needed, but Randall was part of a group, and they didn't know if he was lying or not. And nobody resulted to torturing Randall, did they? No, as especially Rick. So, uh, I'm just thinking, you know, they've they've had their opportunities to do a little torturing. But I'm not sure they've ever really gone there. At least Rick, anyway. Yeah, I'm sure someone will write in and say, "But wait, you're forgetting this scene where Rick did this, and it's exactly <laughs> like torture." Which that happens yeah. all the time. So
1: you forget that scene where he tied that guy up and then uh, started carving on his arm in order to uh, get information <laughs> out of him about what uh, the military
0: was planning on doing. Yeah, you f- you forgot about that that very scene. <laughs> yeah. um, th- so there may be something that Rick has done, but uh, I- I'm just not so sure. Um, but it is, it is very true that Daniel's already there, and he sees torture as a way to do it. So yeah. that is that. Thank you, everyone, for writing in. We've got lots more feedback coming up later in the show, of course. But first, let's talk about Season 1, Episode 6 of Fear the Walking Dead. Here's the title.
1: The Good Man.
0: That's right. Thank you, John, in Southern California, the good man. From AMC's website, the description is as such. As civil unrest grows and the dead take over, Travis and Madison try to devise ways to protect their families. Hmm. So that's what they're doing. Um, They take some pretty serious steps and actions to protect their families in this episode, I think. And it's the season finale, so that's it. We've now seen the whole uh first run first season run of fear the walking dead and uh i gotta say i think this was a pretty solid season finale it i i agree with you chris it was uh it was a very good season finale i i uh I enjoyed it was it a good season finale or was it a great episode or both or or what were you expecting going into this this episode this week
1: it was both it uh it Essentially turned out to be what I was expecting, like not plot wise, but just kind of, uh, I expected that, uh, big bowl of zombies to come spilling out in some way and, uh, going around fucking shit up and then we'd have to deal with it. <laughs> I didn't insane. know how that was going to play out. Uh, you know, how, uh, that Daniel was going to release them in order to, uh, in order to further his plans. hmm Uh, but I did know that they were coming out of that out of that uh, out of that big bowl
0: well, you can't show us an arena full of two thousand zombies and then not open the door. well, yeah, that's just a thing I mean that that wouldn't be that wouldn't be cool um I think let's talk about Daniel for a second. I think the way he just kind of strolls up to the hospital <laughs> and is so <laughs> casual and nonchalant and says, you know you guys might not want to worry about me. You may want to save your ammo and then just strolls off again. He just walks yeah. away.
1: <laughs> yeah, he's got the, he's like the Pied Piper. Do-de-do-de-do.
0: That's exactly what he's like. He was leading the zombies to uh, that hospital. <laughs> this way, boys! Yeah, exactly. Um, what do you think about that plan in general, though, to to bring that many of the undead, basically as a distraction, so they can get in and rescue their people? That was evil and Stupid. Stupid. Stupid, yeah. I mean,
1: the plan was to go in there and to rescue people. You don't start a siege of undead on some place that you're expecting to go in and rescue people, in my opinion.
0: It's a pretty good distraction, though. I mean, if you don't want to be noticed or you want everyone in there to be busy with something else, otherwise— that's
1: a huge random element that you're introducing into this this, it This You know, your plan has got to be—it's it, way off if that's your plan. Mm-hmm. That's just random happenstance. Uh, you know, you're introducing absolute pandemonium into a situation. If you were Jack Bauer, you could probably get away with it. But uh, if you're a group of uh, civilians that are trying to go in and rescue people that are in there somewhere— uh, I think that this was a, uh, a horrible
0: idea it, in general. It it really does seem like a, a bit of a crazy idea. But that being said, it made for great TV, so there's that. Um, and also, there have not been too many zombies in the first season of this show. Now, to be fair, the show started basically just even before... You know before the shit hit the fan and there were zombies everywhere so we got a few episodes of that and then our characters were locked in a in a uh, gated fenced community so mm-hmm. were not too many zombies in there so they really needed to go over the top on this one and so they had two thousand of them come come at this place uh i did enjoy the sort of pandemonium and mayhem that they caused and with the, the military guys trying to fight back and just chaos everywhere, I thought they did a really good job of, of ramping up the tension and the action in those scenes.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, a couple of standout bits for me were, um, let's see, when, do uh, you when the, remember, there's two guys up in the tower and the tower falls over? Yep. That was exciting, I thought. That was fun. It falls over with those two guys up there. It didn't look like they were dummies. I'm sure they well, probably you were. You don't
1: go up in a cherry picker uh, in the zombie apocalypse and expect to get back down the same way you, you went up.
0: <laughs> no, you don't. Just it's, it's pr- It probably is unlikely that that's going to work out well for you. Uh, if
1: I was going to go up in a cherry picker on the edge of a wall to watch for zombies mm-hmm. and to possibly have a horde coming at me, you know what I would do? What would you do? I would pile futons about where I think this damn thing would fall behind me.
0: <laughs> Great idea. You That's just don't know. I mean, you have to pile them in a ring all the way around you, depending on which way well, it's going Well, no,
1: because it's, 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 it's a rectangle, right? So it's probably going to short fall on the short side. Okay. It's not going to fall towards the zombies. It's going to fall away from them. So you can be pretty sure, like you can do the trig and figure out exactly uh, where you think this thing is going to fall. And then you you give it a couple of feet, because uh, if you're going to start to fall, basically you have the opportunity to shove off with your legs and get that little extra distance so that you can land on your pile,
0: you know, your hastily piled (laughs) stack of futons. Maybe you could do the trig. I don't remember very much from high school calculus. (laughs) I won a,
1: the, I did some trigonometry in grade 11, uh, grade 11 math, and I won first prize. You know what I won? Uh, The opportunity to do more math homework. I won a slide rule, an honest-to-goodness, genuine slide rule. Do you still have it?
0: I still have it. I have no idea how to use it, but I still have it. That's amazing. That's exciting for you. Yeah. <laughs> Good old slide rule. Good old high school math. It's coming in handy now when you need to calculate where, you, which way your tower is going to fall.
1: Yeah, I'd probably just go to Google and say, which way is my tower going to fall? I'm if sure it's twenty
0: five feet high, well, it's twenty five feet from the base. Stupid. You'll probably get like it's a, lot not of, a lot of hard answers. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, I like the tower falling over with the two guys yeah. in it. Um, the uh, the of course the one military guy runs into the rotor of the helicopter. That was funny. Which was exciting. Now you see it coming because he's <laughs> stumbling around, and I just I was watching this, and I'm like, oh god, oh god, oh god, oh god, don't do it! And then he did it.
1: Yeah. You know? Well, you know. Uh, the stabilizer propeller blade on a helicopter when it's going is essentially invisible. Exactly. So, you know. But you still are supposed to know it's there and not walk right well, behind even the you got a big zombie taking a chunk out of your, uh, out of your, sh- your neck and your shoulder.
0: Uh, you're not really thinking, apparently. No, you're not. Michael from North Dakota wrote in and said, holy helicopter headshot, best self-kill ever. <laughs> that was pretty good. Pretty I good. I really, really liked it. I, I did, but I... Just knowing it was about to come, I got I was all like, "Oh my god, don't do it, don't do it!" And then he did. (laughs) And then when I watched through a second time, it was it was much more exciting. Um, And then uh, I I have a question for you, Jason.
1: All right. So
0: they spend a lot of time during this firefight with the zombies. It's more, or it's really one sided firefight, I guess. The zombies don't have guns, but they spend generally they spend a lot of time shooting. Through the fence at zombies, and I don't mean like sticking the barrel of a gun through the chain link fence and shooting. Yep. They, the zombies are up against the fence, the military's backed off a bit, and they're just trying to shoot at the fence. Is this this struck me? And this happens in The Walking Dead, has happened in The Walking Dead before and other zombie properties, but this struck me as not the greatest idea because oh, it's fine. aren't you just slowly weakening the fence by shooting it?
1: Yes, okay generally yes. Right. So there's three things going to happen. One is uh the bullet's just going to fly through one of the holes. A fence is mostly holes. So no big deal. It goes through. They're shooting indiscriminately. So if you were trying to aim, it might get a little weird because if you, you know, nicked one of the uh the metal parts of the fence, your aim would be off, but you know, you have a zombie horde coming at you, so who gives a shit? You just shoot indiscriminately. Every once in a while, you're going to, uh, break a link, like break the, uh, have a bullet go right through the, right through the bit of the fence. Mm-hmm. But, you know, again, you have a zombie horde coming at you. That's not going to make a, uh, a large impact unless it's over a very long time span.
0: So they're going to, the zombies are going to push the fence down anyways. It doesn't matter if you shoot it a little bit, you might take out a whole lot more zombies.
1: Yeah. Okay. You know what the, you know what the bigger question is? You ever watch a bird fly through a fence?
0: Uh, yeah, they, 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 they fly and
1: they tuck in their, their wings and they just go through the hole and then they open their wings and they continue on their merry way. They thread the needle. Yeah. My question is, how do they decide which hole they're going through? <laughs> I don't think they do. <laughs> I think well, You they, think that's well, random? They kind of pick, it's like, do they just, they're flying at the fence and they, at some point they got to make a decision. That's the hole. So that's I just did. I find that amazing that they have the ability to calculate and to think about. That's the hole, and I got to time everything perfectly. Birds are amazing creatures, Jason. They really are. They can fly. That's uh, just one of their amazing, and they're very light. Yes, they're so light. They're very cool. When you I've had to up, pick up a couple of dead birds in the backyard when they smash into things or get you know cats get them or whatnot, and you pick them up in the. Uh, and they're very, they're so light. I'm always surprised at how light they are.
0: <laughs> this podcast has gone off the rails. <laughs> we're talking right, about shooting the, through fences. the weight of birds. Anyways, shooting through fences, I think you make a good point. It's probably not too much. I, I just, it occurred to me last night, I'm like, guys, you're just wrecking your fence when you might need that fence, but maybe the, maybe it's worth it. If you had a minigun and you were shooting, you know, 50,000 rounds
1: a second... I don't know how fast a minigun shoots. So I'm not sure. If, I don't think that's anywhere near accurate. But it's a hell of a lot more than an assault rifle. Right. If you have a minigun and it's shooting, uh, you know, 30 caliber, uh, it's probably going to take chunks out of your fence. Mm-hmm. But I don't think assault rifles are uh, a very big deal. Okay.
0: Well, then then that's fine. Next time this happens and I have to shoot through a fence, I'll, I, I won't worry about it. Just
1: shoot through the fence, man.
0: Okay, cool. Um, were you at all disturbed or upset by the port- the continuing semi-negative portrayal of the military in this episode. I'm not saying that, that everybody has been portrayed poorly, or the military comes off badly altogether in this show. I certainly don't think the show is anti-military in any way. But when I think about Moyers, and I think about some of the other guys, and then in this episode I see, you know, those two guys in the tower at the beginning— they're kind of jerks. Now, I get it. They're just doing their job, and, you know, a stranger just walks up to them and brings a whole bunch of zombies, so that's fine. But then you get the guys in the parking garage later on who steal the car, and they kind of harass Alicia. Like, is this behavior becoming of the military? I don't know. It it, it gets to me a little bit when they make these guys seem like such pricks. Yeah, I don't know about the guys in
1: the tower. Like, I didn't really think anything of them, uh, just because... The so the way I think of it, the uh, the smaller the crown, the pettier the king, right? So yeah. these guys have a little bit of power, so they're going to basically wield that against somebody coming up against their. Uh, and when you want to do a challenge, you want to challenge them too, right? So you use uh, you use words to to challenge them, and they have to be forceful words mm-hmm. to make people do things that they don't wouldn't normally want to do. Uh, the guys in the parking garage. Yeah, they were a little harassy, but I think uh, I never really attributed that to military people per se. The military, I didn't think of it as a slight on the military. I thought that these were just individual assholes doing individual asshole things.
0: I guess you could argue that's that's true, that they, they weren't really acting on behalf of the military, or they weren't acting in their role as as soldiers. They were just guys trying to escape, yeah. steal a car— and yes be a little bit harassy towards a young woman yep so i, I don't know it 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 kind of bugged me but i i have a feeling we're going to be mostly done with the military on this show now so it's probably not going to come up again um right. anyways that's that was kind of that stuff overall i thought this episode was really good really solid finale um i thought that It was just, it was tense, it had great action, it had some really deep, heavy emotional beats to it as well, which to me worked really well. And this episode was all about Travis, which I was a little bit surprised by, because for some reason, I've always kind of thought that um, Maddie, Madeline, not Madeline, I always want to call her Madeline, Madison, (laughs) Madison, was sort of our primary character on this show. She's the Rick Grimes of this show. But I think they're either going for maybe not having sort of a primary character, and they're going to give each character a little bit more due, or maybe it's Travis. Because I think this episode was all, it was a huge episode for him. Um, And throughout it, he had to do things and realize things and see things that he hasn't been forced to yet, really, on this show. Um, I made a list here. He he kind of finally sees the true extent of what's going on, is what I'm trying mm-hmm. to say. You know, yeah. he, he saw a giant horde of the undead, which he hadn't seen before. Um, he he almost died a couple of times, and he had to rescue people, um, which, was, which was sort of new. I mean, maybe not totally new, but still. Um, he had to fight lots of the zombies up close and personal, like in the kitchen, for example. You know, instead of just kind of running away from them, he had to fight them. And then at the end... Or getting close to the end, he had to beat the crap out of Andrews, and well, he
1: didn't have to.
0: Well, we'll talk about that in a minute. He had, I think, he did have to, and then, and then he had to kill his ex-wife, which all along everyone's been saying, "Don't make Travis do it; it will break him." But it looks <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. But how many how many guys get the get the opportunity to kill their ex-wives? right he's a hero <laughs> yeah that's right <laughs> by looking some at it some way maybe but i don't think so um but all of this adds up to travis has finally seen this situation for what it is i think and that, that's true he's the character who's been forced to evolve and change the most out of all of them in my opinion um, and he's also the one who struggled with it the most. So I think this was a massive episode for him, and I think Cliff Curtis did an amazing job. He did, and and I think the the writers and everyone involved just did an amazing job telling his story. I wasn't on board with it all through all six episodes, but taking it as a whole, I think they did a really nice job. Yep.
1: My my favorite uh, ex wife country song title: <laughs> If If I Shot You When I Wanted to, I'd be out by now.
0: <laughs> That's an actual song. I think so. Uh, of course it is. <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> Do you remember when Al Bundy comes home and uh, Peg Bundy says, Al, did you... Or she comes home, and, she, and I guess, and she says, Al, did you miss me? And he says, with every shot so far. <laughs> <laughs> I never watched that show. Oh, what a stupid show. Um. Anyways, back to Travis. It was an amazing episode for him. And... Let's talk about that Andrews scene, okay? So they're in the parking garage. Uh, Andrews comes back after Travis had let him go. And, you know, he was, of course, worried that he was just going to be tortured or killed. But Travis has a heart. He's a nice guy. He's like, look, just tell me what we need to know, and I'll let you go. Go on your merry way. You'll never see us again. Of course, it doesn't work out that way. Andrews shows up, and he pulls a gun on Daniel Salazar to get revenge, and he ends up shooting Ophelia. Right. Um. He really, really wants revenge on Daniel, and he thinks that shooting Ophelia will be worse for Daniel than killing Daniel, even. Yep. So he does that. Travis takes the opportunity to dive on him, and he just goes bonkers and beats the crap out of him nearly to death. I think we can assume that he left him there and he died, probably. Right? Well, I don't know about died. Again, you we know, we, he might come back in a later episode. <laughs> we didn't see a body, so maybe his brain will be transplanted into Moyer's body. And <laughs> yeah, he went all Ralphie on him with all this
1: wrestling, frassing, freaking,
0: all this swearing and beating up the, uh, the bully. Nice reference to a Christmas story. Thanks. Very good. Um, is there going to be a pink bunny suit reference later on? There might be. Okay, we'll see. That also
1: um, coincides with the Chewbacca reference. If there's a Chewbacca reference, it has to do with a pink bunny suit, because essentially Chewbacca is Ralphie in a pink bunny suit. <laughs>
0: Jeez, man, you've <laughs> thought about this a lot. Um, I think this scene with Travis though, beating him up, just just pummeling the guy, this is the turning point for him. Like this is the point where he's like, "I'm gonna." Oh, he's cracked now. Uh, yeah. I'm. I'm. I've. Yeah. I, he's, he's cracked exactly. And what I love so much about it is that, and that he turned at this point, not turned to a zombie. He sort of realized what was going on, but there are shots of the three kids, especially Chris, just standing there watching, watching yeah. their dad, essentially, beat somebody to death, and it's a massive emotional moment for them, you could see it on their faces. I think they just emoted very well. Yeah. Um, no,
1: that, that the horror on their faces was uh, very evident. It was great.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure, and I just, I loved it. I thought this was, this and the scene at the end where he had to kill Eliza, were, you know, were just both amazing and i felt bad for travis after seeing sort of what he had to go through in this episode it all came all at once to the poor guy yep yes sir poor bastard poor bastard <laughs> um anyways it makes me think so i wonder if travis is really going to be our 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 main character of this show and and I, I i wonder if that's even worth worrying about because i mean there are lots of good characters there can be more than one main character there doesn't have to be one rick grimes like the 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 main show, so uh, we will see. Maybe Madison will go through a similar transformation or some sort of transformation in season two.
1: Yeah, I, I was thinking that they were building up Travis in order for a heroic death at the end. Mm-hmm. It did not that's happen. That's what they usually do when they uh, when they give you a, uh,
0: you know a bigger part than uh, is normal. Well, how do you feel about the way the way this went? Then, I mean, he didn't die, but he did have a fairly heroic and emotional episode. Is, did it work for you? It did work for me. I'm glad that they didn't kill him off because that would have
1: been a little too right on the money, and uh, that would have annoyed me a, a little bit. That would have, that would have definitely have detracted from the uh, the quality of this particular episode.
0: For me. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. Um, did you think any of it was was cliche at all? I made a couple of notes that that there were. Little There were little bits of this episode that did come across as cliché, but I think they worked because they managed to sort of put so much emotion into some of these scenes. Um One was, well, speaking of Liza, her, you know, getting bit, nobody knows about it, and then she goes off and they have to kill her. I mean, that happens in every single zombie movie ever made, pretty much. Yep. Um and I, and at first I was like, oh, they're doing this. We've seen this a million times. But then, because they set it up earlier on with Travis or with the wives not wanting Travis to do it, and all three of them being there, and the way the way Liza turned um, turned Madison's words around on her, right? Like yeah. Maddie told Liza it, about Travis, it would break him, and then Liza said exactly the same thing. It was I want just to talk about that later. We'll talk about it right now if you want. It was it right. was good it was sort of good setup and for me the the entertainment of it and the emotion injected into it sort of outweighed the cliche nature of the scene and i was happy about that
1: i didn't think of it as like now that you you mention it uh i didn't think of it as cliche at the time but now that you you mention it i still don't think it's necessarily cliche i mean sure they do that in every zombie movie uh of all, you know, ever, but that's okay. That's a whole, that's an homage to zombie, the zombie genre, right? You, you can get away with doing that. You can't get away with doing that every episode, but you can get away with doing it every now and again. It's a trope. It's a trope, but, uh, I think it's warranted in a, uh, you know, a zombie, in the zombie genre, in a zombie television show.
0: Yeah, fair enough. And that could be part of the reason it didn't get to me that much, but it did occur to me. Um, but yeah, it, it was okay.
1: So we talked about when, uh, when the wives first got together and Madison said that, uh, you know, if I turn, you have to kill me because it would break Travis. Mm-hmm. And then now it, it she turned it on her head and said that, uh, you know, said the same thing back to her. I feel a little vindicated because uh, you were talking about how that was a, uh, a screw you. He's, he's my husband now. Uh, he loves me more than he loves you. This was the turnabout on that. It's not a, it's not a, an infighting between the two uh, the two women, it's a, uh, he, he's not really a strong dude. If he has to do this, it's going to break him, right? But he did it's it. Your, he did it, and he's broken. It looks like he's broken. He might come back. He might, uh, you know, slowly uh, get in an ox cart and leave crazy town at a very slow pace, but uh, he looks like he's having a breakdown.
0: He, he is, but, you know, um, I think with the support of his family, <laughs> it sounds right. sort of cheesy to say that, but I think with the support of his family, and that's why Madison was there with him in the beach, on the beach, in the sand, in the water. Um, I think he will come back for it, from it. Yeah. Well,
1: if you're going to have a breakdown, that's a glorious spot to have a breakdown. Boy, what a location, the, eh? In the ocean, overlooking the sea. Oh, it's just, it was great. If you're going to, if you're going to break down into a puddly little mess, do it, uh, do it right there. It yeah. would have been better if it was sunset, but you know? Still pretty nice. What are you going to do?
0: Yeah. Um. Yeah, okay. I, I think I think you may be right. I mean, he is broken, but I think he'll come back from it, and uh, he'll be okay. Now, if he has to do the same thing to Madison at some point, things could get iffy for Travis.
1: I don't think he's going to come back from it. He also has, uh, his hands are all busted up, which was, you know, a callback to the comic book when Rick went nuts on somebody at the prison. mm mm-hmm. Uh we can, we can talk about the prison in the comic book now. Is that, is yeah, that okay? Yeah, I think that's okay. Uh, so he, he had, you know, before he had his uh, hand cut off, he he basically mangled his hand punching the crap out of somebody, mm-hmm. right? So that's this is what Travis did. And at the end of it, he had put his hands on the hood of his truck, his glorious truck, and they were all shaking and bloody and a mess. And I think his... Uh, I think that was a callback to the comic,
0: I think so, yeah, you know, I didn't think of that at the time, but but you're right, uh, it's interesting to see how they might take little bits and pieces from the comic, which really has nothing to do with what this show is all about, at least yep. character and setting wise, and put them in there so that's that's fun, that's cool, um anyways, I think Travis was awesome in this episode, and uh you know at at the beginning. It, the episode starts after those really nice shots of Los Angeles on fire. It starts with Travis questioning Maddie about whether she's ashamed for letting Daniel torture the guy, torture Adams. And you think, oh no, they're, you know, they're not seeing eye to eye again. The, the, this solid couple is, uh, is coming apart a little bit. But by the end, on the beach, they're just so clearly on the same team and uh, she's with him. And going to stick there with him regardless of what he has to go through. So, yeah, it was good. It was bookended really nicely, and Travis turned that corner. Um, I wanted to talk about Strand and Nick. Yeah. Um, so we found out last week that Strand had this plan to escape and he had a key, and he kind of executes that plan now. Once you know things start falling apart, him and Nick decide to leave. I have two questions about. The beginning of this scene, though. Okay. One, ask a question for me, or just question for the universe? Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you because you're the only one here. I am the universe. That too. First question is when they decide to go open the gate and get out of there, unlock the door. Strand is reaching in his pockets, looking for the key, and it turns out that Nick has it. So he pickpocketed it, the key from him. He stole the key. Why? What was the point of that? Just so he could uh... have the control. Like, I almost feel like it was just one of those things so they could have a scene of him looking for the key and then like, oh, here it is. <laughs> you know? Like, I'm not d-
1: sure. That was uh, that was a little confusing for me. The only thing I could think of was, have you ever seen Tremors?
0: Yes, of course. Everyone's seen Tremors.
1: All right. So <laughs> whenever whenever somebody's looking for the lighter, somebody else has it in their pocket. Right. So that's the only thing I could think of, is that when you're looking for something, your buddy has it.
0: Okay, but... I, uh, if done for comedy value, that's one thing. Tremors, um, I find sort of a funny movie. <laughs> well, it's definitely a funny movie. It's, you can't take it seriously. Exactly. It's Tremors. Exactly. There's like been five or six sequels, eh,
1: to Tremors? Yeah, I know. <laughs> I refuse to see them because Tremors is so awesome.
0: Yeah, that's right. But But what was the point? I mean, was it just reinforcing that Nick is a criminal? I mean, he's not, really. We don't really say that. He's a drug addict. He's, he... I don't know. He don't uses know illegal drugs, but he's not a... Criminal in other ways that we know of, Um, and so what was the point? Like it just it felt like they were going for a gag almost, and that was it. I I I fail to see the point. And from what we know about Victor Strand, which is little, not too much at this point, he just doesn't seem like the kind of character that would allow himself to be pickpocketed like that. He seems like he's got it together. He's got a plan. He knows what he's doing. He's in the zombie apocalypse, and his tie is done up all the way. He is a serious gentleman, and he's not going to lose his key to some kid in the same cell with him, right? Yeah. Well, do we know that he pickpocketed it? Well, what else did he or do? Did I mean, why strand, did he Strand, give it to them? Give it to him? Here, hang on to this? No, but and, and then look through his pockets and not know where it is? Like, it, I, it didn't make any sense to me. I don't know. It
1: doesn't make any sense. I don't see the point.
0: I also don't see... I still don't quite understand what it is about Nick that Strand liked so much and kept him and, and therefore decided to keep him in there. Now That's the question I had. I wrote that down. I
1: was going to ask you if you didn't ask me. I don't know. Why the hell did Strand want Nick around?
0: You know, a lot of our listeners wrote in and said, it's it's because Strand has a plan and he knows that Nick, being a drug addict and young or whatever, is easily manipulated. And so he might have wanted to have someone around who he could tell what to do. Say, go over there, do that. You know, I need you to block, hold that door while the zombies are behind it. You do that. And don't worry, I'm on your side. Like, he's a guy he could just boss around. And that makes yeah. a certain de- degree of sense. But I don't feel like we, we saw that in this episode. Um, so I don't really get what it, it was about Nick specifically that made Strand want to keep him around.
1: Maybe we don't know yet. I agree with you. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't get it. The only, yeah, And I, I agree with you in that uh, he might just be somebody you can boss around because you know what they say when you're trying to outrun a bear? You don't have to outrun the bear. You just have to outrun your buddies. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's just a guy to have around that you know is uh, not in the best shape. Yep. So that if the zombies are coming after you, you have somebody to throw to the wolves.
0: Yeah, exactly. So you don't have to run the fastest. You just have to not be the slowest.
1: So I don't think it's necessarily somebody to have uh, to boss around. I think it's someone to have to leave behind when you need to leave somebody behind.
0: Could be. I mean, it it could be. I, I don't know. But it 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 didn't really get explained, in my opinion, in this episode. If there's no. if someone else has a you know a better different take on it, let us know. Um, yeah, please. Now the whole the whole uh, escape from the hospital sequence. I thought was really really good. It was entertaining, it was exciting. There was lots of danger everywhere. Um the scene in the hallway with the locked door, another scene that I feel like is a little bit cliché, you know, characters are separated by a door or or something or a window and they can't get through and on one side they're in danger and if they could just get through they'd be safe. I mean that was all here and we even had uh we even had Nick Have that like typical moment of calm where he looks through the window and says, Mom, go, you know, save yourself kind of thing. And it's all so familiar, but at the same time, I don't know what it is, but I loved it here. I thought that was an amazing scene, super intense and just really, really entertaining. It was pretty good.
1: That's it. I mean, yes, it was, uh, it was cliche. Uh, I'm thinking back to Terminator 2 when, uh, what's her name Sarah Connor is stuck behind the uh behind the gate anyway it just it uh it was a little bit cliche i didn't really think of it at the time but yeah absolutely uh being stuck behind a locked
0: steel door is a can be a colossal pain in the ass especially when your key card doesn't work well and then they're they're saved at the last second right they i mean it's they're so close <clears throat> it's so close to being um the last second that they can't even shut the door in time and the, and the zombies managed to get through. So, uh, and they're saved by someone else who just shows up, who has the right key card. I mean, it's all just silly, but it worked. It worked. I don't know what it is. It. I was, I legitimately <laughs> thought Nick was a goner here. I'm like, yeah. look at this. They're killing Nick. Nick is going to get eaten. His poor mother is going to have to watch him get eaten through that window. And that's going to scar her for seasons to come. Right? Right. And then they didn't do it, and, and I was happy about it. Like, it, they fooled me. They got me. They completely had me buy in to what was about to happen here, and then they didn't do it. Even though a million other times I would have been like, oh, he's not getting—I mean, he's, he's getting out of there. They're not going to kill him off. So
1: Yeah, I didn't really think that they were going to kill him off. He hasn't
0: run his course yet. Well, that's the thing, though, but they might surprise you. That's that's what I'm hoping they do. I don't want to be having deaths be that predictable. You know what I mean? I think, I, was... I think the Walking Dead television shows have stopped
1: being that. And I think it's been a while since they've been that surprising. That unpredictable. That unpredictable.
0: Hmm. Well, that may be a whole other discussion right there. When's the last time that they killed somebody that you didn't see coming? Um, Tyrese. I didn't see Tyrese's death coming when he died in the first episode back after the mid-season break last season. That's right, right? Yeah. Yeah, I didn't see that coming. Um, I'm sure there's some others, but that could just be that we are in some ways too close to this. Yeah, for me, I have to go back to Dale. Yeah season 2. I didn't really see that coming either. That's a long time ago though. No, I didn't is I didn't expect ago. Tyrese to die. Hey, this is why we're doing walking death pool. <laughs> right. So we can get even we can we can formalize who we think is going to die and then be proven wrong.
1: <laughs> and then
0: we can be proven wrong. Most likely, yeah. yeah. So, uh anyways, um I thought Nick was going to die and I was happy he wasn't and I was a little bit surprised. The other thing I I I noticed about Victor Strand in in this whole sequence is that he when when the zombies aren't an absolute immediate threat like they were in that hallway he doesn't seem all that afraid of them like he's very cool and calm most of the time oh he's a sociopath for sure well sure maybe maybe worse but like when they walk into that room and the soldier whose name i can't remember who he traded the cufflinks to is getting eaten Yep. And to be honest, I don't know what they were thinking. When the first couple shots of, from Strand and Nick's perspective, it looked like the zombie was eating his crotch. I, no, it was his leg. I know when you got closer. They wouldn't have a zombie eating some guy's crotch on national television. Oh, yeah, they might. I'm not saying they would, but I'm saying it looked like it was. But I got over that fast. But, like, Victor Strand, he he's just walking around that room. He walks right up to that guy, takes his cufflinks back, and refuses to put the poor dude out of his misery when he's having his crotch eaten by a zombie. So, <laughs> like he doesn't seem that afraid of zombies until they're an immediate threat, which makes him an interesting character.
1: Yeah, he's a he's a total sociopath.
0: Yeah, you're right. And and then and then they're going for a boat. When they get back to his house, which is a beautiful house by the way, he decides yeah. or he tells Nick that he's got a boat out on the water and that's what he's going for. So, you know what I liked about that? That it was my idea from the beginning. Well, this is the idea that everybody always has in the zombie apocalypse: like, why don't the characters ever go on the water, escape on the get water? The, yeah, get the hell off the land. You know, zombies walk; they don't. Uh, they don't paddle canoes. For crying out loud! No, if they did, that'd be weird. But everyone always says, "Go on the water, go on the water." And uh, characters, do they ever go on the water? No, they stay on the land. They go in well, the. Well, they're forest. in Atlanta; they're landlocked. I, I don't mean I don't mean just in Walking Dead. I mean everywhere. Name me a, a a zombie movie where the characters escape on the water in a boat. And we well, see always it
1: always landlocked because it would
0: be <laughs> too easy. You get on a boat and you're like, well, that was easy. Right. That's what I'm Let's saying. Let's go to the Bahamas. Do you think that in this case they're actually going to make it onto the boat in season 2 and and get away? Oh no. Boat's going to catch on fire, it's going to burn down. <laughs> the boat's they can't explode. get on the
1: boat. That's too easy. Right. Cuz then you you go through the Panama Canal and you go to the Caribbean and you're having a grand old time, you find yourself a nice little island with a couple of coconuts to rub together, and uh, you're laughing. See? Then the show would be over. Then the show would be over,
0: so they can't have that happen.
1: They need the boat to
0: burn down. You gotta burn down the boat. Or maybe someone will get on the boat and take it and steal it, and we'll never see them again.
1: Oh, yes, pirates.
0: Pirates. Like, not
1: just, you know, uh, some kind of Anti-zombie pirates like the governor or whatever. We're half, we're talking actual real-life, honest-to-goodness pirates. Mm-hmm. All right, zombies <laughs> meets pirates show.
0: Zombies that's versus right pirates. <laughs> pirates. I'm I'm on board with that. All right. Well, I'll be surprised if that's where they go. Uh, but uh, Strand doesn't really seem like he is interested in taking too many people with him, anyways. Like he said, he said to Nick. You can't stay here, and I, I don't know if he meant because you have to come with me on the boat, or because I ambiguous. just I just don't want you in my house when I leave.
1: Well, then why would he show him the boat?
0: Yeah, I don't know. I, but I mean, it was a big boat, but was it big enough for how many are there of them? Like eight or nine people? Was it big enough for all those people?
1: I don't know. From boats, and I mean, and I
0: know my kayak only fits one person, right? And you can't uh, fit a lot of food and supplies on your kayak, so oh, well, sure
1: you can. Well, not can, enough to survive can, indefinitely. No, not indefinitely, but you can uh, put enough supplies on there to live for a week or two for, easily. What do you do when you have to,
0: you know, go to the bathroom?
1: <laughs> you tip it over the side.
0: <laughs> okay. Uh, that's a, a game. Topic for another podcast. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I think Strand was a little bit ambiguous there. It's like, I don't know if they're going on the boat or not or whatever, but that house seemed pretty secure. Well, uh, it was made out of concrete, which I thought was nice. It's Because if you're going to make a nice house that's going to survive the zombie apocalypse, you
1: make it out of really solid, nice concrete.
0: Mm-hmm. No, you're right. And put big fences and gates up around it and have really mm-hmm. fancy cars in the garage. Sure. There was one in there. I didn't even recognize it, but it looked like a high-end fancy car. Um, was, was okay. It a Toyota? No, it, I don't know what it was. <laughs> I don't know. Not that Toyotas Lata. can't be high-end fancy cars. I don't, I don't know.
1: No, I know. I just, I don't know from fancy cars.
0: Yeah, I know. It was something I didn't recognize, but not important. Um, a Lamborghini. Yeah, that's what it was. A couple other notes here, I think. Uh, I enjoyed the scene where Chris takes a punch from the military guy, and he just goes down like a sack of potatoes. Like Because
1: he, well, he took a punch from the rifle. He took a rifle butt is what he took.
0: Well, he was down and out, man. He just hit the ground. Yeah. So so would I. So would you. So would pretty much anybody. Of course, of course. I'm just saying. Like he went down. I'm glad he didn't like put up much of a fight because he's a 16 year old kid me with your rifle. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then maybe finally, uh, Doctor Exner. Poor Doctor Exner. She had mm. to. Uh, she had to eliminate all of her patients, and then she didn't want to go with the group. And as they were walking away, she reached over for the uh, cattle bolt. So I think it's safe to assume she was going to end her own life right there.
1: Yeah, uh, another assumed death. What's that, three? That's three in this episode so far. Yeah.
0: but that that no,
1: no, no it's only two in this episode, one in the previous. Oh yeah, you're right, one in the previous. Moyer's, uh we just presumed he was dead from the previous episode.
0: There's two things about this scene. One, it made me really sad. I kind of liked her, and I like Sandrine Holt, so I wanted to see her stick around on the show for a while. And also, uh, yeah, it just made me sad to see her sort of feel like she's failed like that and having to do what she had to do and then bolt herself in the head. So, yeah, I was bummed out by that. And then the other thing is I sort of noticed that really nobody in our group except for Liza had really any hesitation about leaving her there. They were all like, come on, we got to go. We got to get out of here. She told us where the exit is, you know. Let's let's get they, going.
1: They brought the zombie apocalypse upon this compound. Mhm. Why would they give a
0: shit about anybody inside of it? Well, I don't know. I mean, people seem to have given up on their humanity pretty fast here, you know. They they really have. They brought a zombie horde to bear on a group of people. Yeah. And they don't seem to feel bad about that. They're evil bastards. The whole lot of them. Oh, man. That's, that that See, that makes me sad, too. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> just It just does. Um, and then the other thing is, they didn't bring Dr. Exner, and now Liza's dead. So this group went from having two doctors, or maybe one and a half doctors, to none. And doctors are important people to have around in the zombie apocalypse. They are. So they weren't thinking at all when they did that. No, and they left the hospital without taking any medical supplies. No, they did take some. There's a scene where Maddie is... Oh, there is. ...grabbing some medicine from the shelf, uh, presumably for for Nick, but uh, who knows. So anyways, um, that's the season finale. I thought it was amazing. Super emotional. uh, Just really entertaining. Exciting. It opened up a lot of questions. It answered a few. It had a great character... Like, it finished off a great character arc for Travis, and there's almost really nothing in this episode that I didn't like. So I think they did a really fine job here for uh, yeah. this season finale. Um, not every episode of the season was was amazing. But on the whole, I think Fear the Walking Dead season one was pretty successful. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. Um, and now we've got 15 episodes of this show in season two. So they're going to have a lot Yay. more time for uh, having deck parties on the, the bow of that boat. Yeah. Oh, that'll be sweet. That Those will be good times. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, if you've got any thoughts on the season finale of Fear the Walking Dead, of course, send them in to us. Uh, we'd love to hear from everybody. Um, let's talk really briefly about Fear the Walking Dead colon, Flight 462, the little webisode that we got the first part of on yeah. AMC.com. Uh. I've been going on long enough. What did you think of this 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 webisode here, Jason? It's only the first part of of many parts to come.
1: I don't understand any of the characters' motivations. <laughs> okay, well, I didn't quite understand. Well, what uh, everybody seemed to be on edge, including the stewardess who came over the PA and said, "If you don't take your seats, we can't
0: leave." It's like, yep. Holy bitch. Well, everybody. So what happens is, it's the plane is on the ground. And yep. everybody seems very agitated on board, and people are on phones, they're texting, they're talking to people, which uh, you're not supposed to do as you are being pushed back on the plane. And the plane does start to move, be pushed from the gate, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. So um, they, they seem to know something is going on, and there seems to be some amount of panic, but it looks like they're going to take off anyways. And I think it would be very boring if they didn't actually take off and they just taxied out to the runway. <laughs> <laughs> so right. I assume they're well, gonna yeah. take off. <laughs>
1: so yeah, are our flights grounded? Because if the flights are grounded, that plane's not getting off the ground. Unless the pilots don't give a flying shit about the FAA at this point. Well,
0: that could be the case. Maybe they're defying orders and they're gonna go up anyway. All flights are grounded. It's like screw you, I'm leaving. Right. That's I mean, what I'd do it, in the zombie. If podcast. they think they're escaping something, if they think they're trying to get away by flying away, that might be what happens. Yeah. Um but, yeah, not too much information was given. We don't really know any of these characters. It seemed to focus on one kid who was by himself and talking to his mom on the phone.
1: How, do you, how does a kid get on a plane without his mom? Well, children can
0: uh, travel as unaccompanied minors.
1: I know, but he was accompanied. Like, No, he wasn't. His mom was in the terminal
0: and said, I didn't make the plane. Like, well, it's just kind of a weird circumstance. No, I didn't take, I don't think that's what happened. I thought he was talking to his mom who was like at his destination or going to meet him at his destination. No, he got a text from her saying, uh, I didn't, she, she said I didn't make the plane. And then
1: he said, have you talked to dad? Yes, I talked to him. He's going to pick you up. I'm going to be, I'm
0: going to follow you tomorrow. It's okay. Okay. Well, maybe she was just late for the flight and he got on and that was that. See,
1: don't you, if you were a kid, wouldn't you wait for your mom to get on the plane? If you missed, if she missed the plane, you'd miss the plane.
0: Yeah, most likely. You're right. Depending on how old I was, but you're right, most likely. Anyways, actually, I don't give a shit
1: about how old you are. If I was going to take a flight with somebody, I wouldn't get on the plane without them. I'm telling you that right now.
0: No, it happens. I have business traveled with people, and like, I go, we we go to the airport separately. And if that person doesn't show up, they don't show up. I'm still getting on my flight home.
1: Well, uh, you know, is this a family member? Like if you travel with your family, if you're meeting a family member at the airport. Yes. (laughs) Okay. So I find it weird. I just find it weird. I didn't understand the motivation, his motivation. Then we can, so the stewardess, she's cranky for some reason, whatever stewardess, they can be cranky. Uh, The one guy that uh, is worried about the flight being grounded, he seemed agitated as well. I don't understand why he's so agitated. I guess he really wants to take off regardless of whether the flight is actually grounded.
0: Well, I just feel like everyone on board knows something is going on. There's something happening outside. We don't know what day this is. This is during the 9 days maybe that right. that we skipped over at uh in the safe zone. So we don't know if it's day 1 or day 8 or somewhere in between. 23. So 23. Yeah. So um everyone's obviously agitated. They know something's going on, but that's really all all we get in this thing. So um, and holy, passive-aggressive,
1: cranky girl, uh, she turns around. If somebody's on the phone, mm-hmm. on a plane, you know, that's annoying. If you were going to explode at them and really want to shut them down, would you turn around and say, shut up and get off the phone? Or would you turn around and just reach past them and close their
0: blind? <laughs> well, I am i probably wouldn't do either, because I... Well, it's a zombie
1: I... apocalypse, you know, <laughs> the emotions are high. Uh, everybody's a little bit cranky, obviously, it, like, might,
0: it might be turn around and say, shut the F up.
1: Shut the hell up. Yeah. You know, get off the phone, pick up the phone, throw the phone across the plane. Like, shutting their blind down? <laughs> like, oh,
0: <laughs> passive-aggressive cranky girl. Oh, well. <laughs> We've got lots more of this to come. Um, I thought for some reason they were going to air the rest of it during the commercial breaks, during uh, the season premiere of The Walking Dead next week. But from what I understand, it will air during commercial breaks throughout season six. So we're oh. we're going to get another minute during the premiere, a minute during episode 2 and so on. I don't know how many total minutes, but uh so so it's going to be a long time before we see the whole story play out. And one of those characters apparently ends up on Fear the Walking Dead. So we don't know who that's going to be yet either. Oh. Yeah. So I think it's an interesting that's cranky girl. Cranky girl, probably the cranky. kid on the phone. I mean unless No, no, it's too obvious. Yeah, too obvious. Or the pilot. Maybe it's, it's the, either cranky girl or the pilot. Yeah, the pilot or the stewardess, the cranky stewardess. No, no, she's dead. She's too cranky. <laughs> she's she's the zombie
1: on board. <laughs> she could be. Could be. I, I, I just, can you please take your seats? I just got bit by a zombie and I'm feeling a little cranky. Yeah, that's right.
0: All right, well, we'll see how that plays out. We probably won't talk about it again until we've seen the entire run, so it might not be until next spring that we, uh, review that whole thing but we'll we'll come back to it and see how it plays out and of course by then we'll know who's going to be joining fear the walking dead cast so very good cool yeah all right jason let's take a really quick break when we come back we're going to get into some more listener feedback about the good man stay with us In the pouring home, see the light come over now.
1: I see myself in the pouring rain, I watch hope come over me.
0: Today's podcast is sponsored by Audible. Right now, you can get a free audiobook of your choice and a free 30-day trial membership. Just visit audible.com slash talkingdead to choose from over 180,000 audio programs. Now, one of the things we always want to do is recommend a book to get you started. So, Jason, I'm going to throw it over to you to recommend a book for the fine people.
1: You know what I'm going to recommend? No, please tell me. I'm going to recommend a book that's coming out tomorrow on Audible. Uh, Robert Kirkman's The Walking Dead Invasion, the next book in the uh, in the Walking Dead series by Jay Bonansinga.
0: So we've, you and I, have read all five of the others, and, yep. uh, you know, you could start with those as well. But if you're all caught up, this is the next one, and it happens to be coming out, uh, well, if you're listening to this, on October 6th. It's today.
1: I'm clicking the pre-order button right now because uh, I know we'll we'll uh, talk about this at some point, so I'm going to be listening to it, and I'm going to go through the process of
0: pre-ordering it. Very good. So that's The Walking Dead Invasion. It's the sixth book in The Walking Dead series, and uh, I think, you know, to get people started here, There's there's a brief description from Audible. Do you want to read that? Sure. Out of the ashes of a devastated Woodbury, Georgia,
1: uh, two opposing camps of raging survivors develop, each one on a collision course with the other.
0: The Walking Dead Invasion. Now, you can download that title for free and start listening anytime. It is just that easy. You can listen to audible programming on your iOS device, your Android, Kindle Fire, Windows phone, hundreds of different MP3 players. Uh, they all work, and... um Uh, You know, they even have apps for iOS and Android and and Windows Phone. So they just make it super easy. The other thing Audible does is there's a great listener guarantee, too, or a great listen guarantee. If you, for whatever reason, decide that you don't like the book you chose, you can exchange it for another title anytime, no questions asked. So you really have nothing to lose by trying Audible. So, what you want to do right now is visit audible.com slash talking dead for a free audiobook of your choice and a free 30 day trial membership. That's audible.com slash talking dead. And we thank Audible for their support. You All righty. Welcome back, everyone. We are going to do some listener feedback for The Good Man, which was the episode six title. Uh, who starts here, Jason? I forget. Me does. Me does start, Chris. All right. Do it. <laughs> this one's from uh, Jagger. Jaeger. Jaeger. as' in, as in Chuck, Atlanta,
1: Georgia. As in Chuck Jaeger. <laughs> as in Chuck Jagger. Right. In Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, he has a prediction. Daniel used the same tactic against the
0: military that the wolves will use against Alexandria. It's short and sweet. The wolves Mm. are going to lure a giant group of zombies to Alexandria. So a
1: Pied Piper will bring a horde of zombies uh, to the gates of Alexandria.
0: That's right. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Good prediction. Steve on the internet writes, The herd. The herd. Dear God, the herd. Salazar Salazar using the thousand plus walkers in the stadium as a weapon was awesome. Visually, they did a nice job of showing us the scale and mass of the herd.
1: Yeah, that they, was all good fun.
0: They did, because you know why? We we got the camera up like on the towers and stuff, so there was a nice view and you could see far, and even though it was dark, you really got a feel for how many undead were approaching. That's because they opened up the aperture on <laughs> good. the camera. Thank you, Jason, for that technical description <laughs> of how cameras work. All right, next
1: uh, we have friend of the show, Adam. So, wow, Fear the Walking Dead finishes in spectacular fashion. I was mildly surprised to see Salazar using a herd bomb the way he did. He just strolled up to the fence, accompanied by 2,000 dead skin bags, then strolled off. I also love the rescue and escape from the hospital. While it's been done before, I was still on the edge of my seat and joined the hell out of every moment. One question. What the hell did we learn here that may inform the regular... Uh, inform the regular show. Nothing really seemed new, per se.
0: No. And I think Adam's referring to somebody, or something that somebody said, in that, you know, the shows aren't related to each other, they don't cross over in any way, but one will inform the other. And so you might learn something in one show that impacts something in the other show, at least from a, a viewing perspective. And I think he makes a good point. I'm not sure we really learned anything new, from Fear the Walking Dead that we didn't know, um, nothing yet. Nothing is yet. The answer, of course. We still have this season to go on The Walking Dead,
1: and I think that we'll find out something that was like, hey, that was in Fear the Walking Dead. Maybe, maybe. I, you're so right. I think it's it's not what you know something that we've learned from. Like it's not a crossover from the previous stuff we've seen. I think it's an upcoming crossover.
0: I think that is uh, very astute of you. So, congratulations! Thanks. Uh, we'll we'll see. I don't know. One thing I I forgot to mention before is that I am super glad that Liza, before she died, took the time to let everyone know that you know you're all gonna come back, so we don't have to. Yeah. We don't have to go through that and not and 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 have all these characters not knowing that and figuring it out for themselves.
1: So yeah, we got some good information uh, going going there, which is uh, I know
0: you personally hate that when you. When, some people know stuff and other people don't. I hate it know. when people know stuff. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm glad Liza was able to communicate that. Uh, righty, next is Sean on the internet. My holy crap, did you see that moment? Had to be the neck-bitten soldier running into the, <laughs> the propeller blades. I wonder if he knew what was coming and chose to end it, or if he was in so much pain he just staggered to an early end. Yeah, I don't think he saw that blade. They're, they were invisible. So he just... Was distracted by his neck bleeding profusely and ended up with no head. Yeah, I think his thoughts, uh, his thought process
1: was, "Owie, owie, 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 guys, this hurts. Owie, 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 I <laughs> Owie,
0: owie, owie. That's like, that's that's kind of like what a what a dog thinks. Hey, I'm running, I'm running, I'm running, I'm running. I stopped." Oh, I'm running hey, some more. Running. Hey, look, I
1: got a stick. Look at this stick. This is an awesome <laughs> stick. This is the best stick ever. Hey, we just throw this stick. Hey, Jake, hey, can we grab, prince throw the stick for me? throw the stick. This is a great stick. Look at this <laughs> stick. I found this stick. You see that stick I got?
0: Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> when you get bitten by a zombie, you turn into a dog.
1: Yeah. Owie, 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 owie. Hey, guys, look, this hurts. Owie, 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 owie. And then you get hit by a propeller. Thud.
0: Okay. Well, uh, yeah, that's it. But, uh so so he didn't do it on purpose he just no he was uh he was blinded by pain and distracted his his
1: owies were distracting okay all right next we have frank on the internet fear the walking dead excuse me fear the walking dead has introduced us to a handful of characters who are a new cliche in the genre and i love it it's the it look oh my god it's it is the it took the end of the world for me to find my place in it. Salazar, Strand and Nick being the most shining examples. Strand is a, is calm the entire time as if he'd been waiting for the fecal matter to hit the wind machine <laughs> for his entire life. Yep. Salazar is ready for the world and in fact seems like uh normal normality is more of a struggle than anything and Nick pretty much spoon-feeds us the sentiment while take, uh, taking to his mom, talking, talking to
0: his mom. <laughs> um Yeah, and I think this is a really interesting point. Those three characters are good examples, and of course, if you go back to the main show, Daryl, he found his way in the apocalypse, whereas he wasn't really getting through life, you know, perfectly, but once he became, he became a super badass in the apocalypse, so it's an interesting character trait that The Walking Dead seems to explore. Yeah. And I like it. I think it's cool. I mean, not everyone can be that way, but it is kind of fun. It Thank is. you Frank for pointing that out. Uh next up is Steven on the internet. If Cobalt was code name for killing everyone in the town, what was the point of the army to round up all the wounded and sick? It makes no sense. So if you are wounded and sick, they will use resources to try to get you better, but if you are perfectly healthy, they will leave you in the city to get humanely put down. Seems like they had it all backwards.
1: Yeah, so Cobalt wasn't the code name for killing everybody, the code name was for getting the military out. The evac like it was of the military, the get the hell out of there, leave the civilians behind, just get the hell out of there. Right. I think what they were trying to evac in the hospital was the soldiers, the wounded soldiers that were not infected. Mm-hmm. So that was it. Was still a military extraction. Get the military out, the wounded and non wounded alike. Civilians can all go screw themselves.
0: Right, but the the point is, I, I got two points here, I think. One is that, um, yes, the cobalt is the operation of evacuating the military, and then the humane termination of everybody else is kind of the second part of it, sort of. Yes, yeah. Um, but but right, why <clears throat> why terminate healthy people? Why not just let them go their merry way, or bring them with you if you can? Because um,
1: every person that... You don't kill is someone you have to kill later.
0: I guess so. Um, so why bother? So to uh, to Stephen's point here, why bother trying to rehabilitate sick people? Why not just kill them? <sighs> right. It's it's just. I mean, it, the, yeah. I I understand. It's it kind of makes no sense because you are trying to help people. I mean, the end goal is to help people. People are sick. They need help. You're trying you're trying to have them not die, with the expectation that this will all blow over and life will go back to normal, right? They don't know for sure that that's not going to happen. Um, for the
1: military, you have to uh, keep up morale. Mm-hmm. If you were to abandon all of your wounded to die, that would really blow morale <laughs> out the window. Yes, it would. So I think, you know, evacuating the wounded uh, takes resources, but it gives everybody else the security secure feeling that even if they're wounded, uh, their buddies are going to come back for them. Right. No, and that so that that's one thing. Civilians all they're gonna all go screw themselves because they're just civvies. Who cares about that?
0: Well, the other thing I was wondering is after that revelation in episode five that you know we're gonna humanely terminate everyone, it never really happened. In this, no,
1: that did. Uh, that was another thing is uh, that I, I I wanted to bring up that com- I completely forgot. That uh, no, we didn't see that aspect of Cobalt, but maybe that's because uh, Daniel brought his herd bomb over and, uh, really screwed up the plan.
0: Well, that's what I was thinking. He either screwed up the plan or, or it hasn't happened yet. Like, I don't know. I mean, humane, I mean, I guess you could argue sort of that Dr. Exner humanely terminated everybody. She killed all the people, all the patients in that hospital before, presumably offing herself. But, um, but see, I always assumed that the humane termination meant everybody, like, firebombing of the city to just get the military out and then destroy everything that was left i know there's some questions as to whether that's actually what the plan was or not um so i don't know but i feel like we didn't really see it we saw helicopters taking people away as when they could um but that was it the military left and everybody went home so i don't know uh maybe it's still coming in season two
1: I don't think so. Yeah. I don't think that they'll uh, come back to the military aspect of things.
0: No, I don't think so. I think that's all wrapped up. You're probably right. Uh, but good point, Stephen. Um, next is... Is me. it you or me?
1: you It's okay. me, Elaine, on the internet. Uh, just want to explain why the finale, le- finale left a terrible taste in my mouth. Basically, the protagonist's plan to reconnect with their family members was to lead a horde of walkers into a facility that they know houses a hospital with some unknown number of patients and a dwindling number of soldiers, thereby ensuring the deaths of countless innocent people so that they can pick up mom and a druggy kid on their way out to the desert. Great. They double down on this when they see all those people in pens. No value added. Sorry, we led thousands of walkers into these facilities, but good luck and find another way out. We're already pro-torture, so who cares? And then the soldier who was tortured and almost murdered tries to get revenge on how badly they fucked him up, so Travis beats him to a pulp. Uh, Not sure who I'm supposed to be cheering for here. Everyone is terrible. Everyone deserves the worst.
0: Yeah, and uh, I mean, Elaine had a couple more points, but uh, I think that sort of made her... It was the it was the central point there. So, you know, it, <laughs> it's do we do we go along with characters' motivations too easy sometimes and don't see both sides of it? Because Elaine does make good points here. It's like, you know, we know someone in that hospital, sure, and we want to get them out. But go screw yourself if you're one of the anybody else in that hospital who might need help. Yeah. We're just going to take our people and leave two thousand zombies here for you to to deal with. I mean, that's. Yep. That's, they're all evil bastards. That's not very cool when you put it like that.
1: Yeah, no, they're uh, that is, it's an evil thing to do. It's it's an e- it's and it's stupid. It doesn't make any sense from a tactical point of view and it's just pure evil. Hey, I know you guys are just trying to survive like us, but uh you know, my wife's in there, so uh
0: here's a couple thousand zombies <laughs> to distract you and probably kill you. So maybe it's just me, but I don't think so. What is it about me or or everybody that that watches this and is like yeah i mean this is amazing like i i i uh, because it's zombies it's zombies attacking and uh that's entertainment it's entertainment sure but why can't we see the dark side of this i mean i think elaine is perfectly valid in her perspective here you know yeah. where i i'm like yeah great this was amazing it was super entertaining you know strand that guy's awesome he's not afraid of the zombies and he's got a cool car and everything and elaine just sees the the wanton, reckless murder and condemning of all these poor people in this hospital. Yep,
1: (laughs) I I agree with Elaine. I
0: think, yeah, (laughs) I guess it's just two different
1: perspectives. I wanted to see those zombies get out too, but I didn't want uh, Daniel to let them out. I wanted them to break out. Mm -hmm. I wanted them to break out and spill over into the town and, uh, all the townsfolk would have to go after them with pitchforks and torches.
0: You know, make the, uh, make the characters a little bit more redeemable, uh, but, but still have the zombie horde come and cause some problems.
1: Yeah. Yeah. They could have, they could have easily broken out of there all on their own. And then Daniel could show up and say, hey, uh, there's a horde of zombies coming this way. Uh, you know, better save your bullets. Same thing. Yeah, you're right. And then
0: I, move on from there, and everybody's happy. I honestly thought during the cold open, when we when we focus in on the doors and the chains on the doors, I thought we were going to see some chains start to break there. Yeah, but but too. we didn't. So we did. Not. Daniel's the one who let them out. So bastard. Anyways, thank you, Elaine. Uh, the next next email is Chris in Syracuse, New York. I have thought on how Strand got placed into the quarantine center with Nick. I bet he will show up on flight 462 uh, on the plane. He was placed on the military center in the military center since he was on the plane with the infected. Being the top salesman, he claims he probably was on his way home from a sales trip.
1: <laughs> well, there you go.
0: That's uh, that's not a bad theory. It's not, assuming that that plane was inbound to Los Angeles. From what it looks like, it's outbound. How do you know? Well, I don't you know. You don't know. No, you're
1: right. I just I'd I... be going from Ontario to LAX. I don't think
0: so. It's a short flight, granted. Oh, Ontario, California. (laughs) Yeah, Ontario, California. (laughs) Looked like a lot of people on a plane for that. Anyways, uh, good theory. Maybe Strand will show up on the plane. That'd be fun. It'll be like his little mini backstory that gets him onto the show. I I have a question. Sure. This is
1: completely unrelated to the feedback, and it should have been in the other section, but I forgot all about it. Uh, I assume from this show and from Grand Theft Auto, that anybody can just drive onto the uh, Los Angeles River and drive along the concrete banks and the, the bottom of the river.
0: Well, Grand Theft Auto and a million other movies, because it seems like that's what people are always doing in Los Angeles. You, you, you
1: know, no must, no fuss, they're driving along, they turn a corner on a bridge, and all of a sudden they're on the, they're on the river, on the concrete, driving along, uh, driving along concrete all the way to the ocean.
0: Easy peasy, yeah. nice and easy. Is that a question or just a statement? It it is a question.
1: I assume that there's some kind of gates or fences that prevents normal schmoes from driving along that thing because uh, if you can just get on there and drive, like why don't people
0: use it as a freeway? It seems like a great way to get to the ocean. Yeah, I guess so. I don't know. There must be gates, but in the zombie apocalypse, gates are meaningless. And in Grand Theft Auto, uh, you can get on there easy too. Well, sure. but. You can do anything you want in that game. You <laughs> yeah. could land a land an aircraft carrier. No, well they landed, did that
1: in uh, what was that the core? Or they landed the space shuttle on it? Oh yeah, see,
0: the space shuttle could land on there. You well, didn't... yeah,
1: the space shuttle is a different situation because they don't have to break through a gate to land on it. They just have to point the space shuttle at the uh,
0: at the river and uh, not hit a bridge, which there seem to be a lot of. <laughs>
1: It seems tricky, but I just I assume that you can just drive on the thing. You can just turn a corner and go, hey, look, this is the on ramp to the Los Angeles River.
0: Okay. And away you go. <laughs> see see from what from everything I've learned from Hollywood, it does sort of seem like it. All right, move on. All right. So we have Travis in Ozark, Missouri.
1: I like the final episode, The Good Man. And enjoyed the season as a whole, but now, uh, but how has nobody on this show learned to close a frickin' door? <laughs> after leaving the door open a few episodes back, uh, got the dog killed, and nearly got Travis, Travis killed, uh, you'd think that they'd have learned their lesson. But they leave the gate on the safe zone open when they leave, basically condemning all their neighbors to a certain death. Then, after all the crap they went through to get to the beach house, they wander around and, uh, properly leaving the do- more doors wide open. Millions of people in their city dead and became reanimated. You'd think at least a bit
0: of mind uh sorry, a bit of mild paranoia might start creeping into their minds. Yeah, they wander around the property leaving more doors wide open. Um yeah, close the door. I mean the gate leading out of the safe zone was the most egregious one I think. I mean, it was so sad to see the neighbors totally unaware that anything was happening just sitting in their house yeah. while our main characters were fleeing and they're just sitting in their houses it was that was really sad i thought and then them they're jerks and then they leave the door they leave the gate wide open with all those zombies around so yeah yeah that was military's pulling
1: out nobody knows uh we're just gonna leave here and leave the gate open and all these people that are uh you know feeling safe in their homes, they can all go screw
0: themselves. They can all go suck it. Yeah, it's too bad. But uh, you're right. In the zombie apocalypse, closed doors. It makes sense.
1: Yeah. It really does. carry a
0: big stick. They carry a big stick. All right, speaking of big sticks, uh, Andy in the UK writes—sorry, Andy, I don't know what that means—an um, <laughs> improved episode due to the obvious increased action. My main complaint, which is actually the same complaint I have for the season as a whole is that I just haven't grown to care about any of these characters at all. The best example of this being the finale of the finale. What should have been a very emotional, tense, heart-wrenching scene, but was just a bit dull. Before anyone suggests it takes time to care for a character, how long was Morgan on screen for in the first six episodes of the main show? I cared more about Morgan after one episode than any of these people after six. This is why I feel the series has been a failure in my mind. Maybe it's the acting, maybe the writing. I don't know, uh, but with any luck, they will bring in characters that I connect with the next season. Um, I think Andy and I have conflicting viewpoints on the final scene because I was really touched by it, and uh, I think it worked amazingly for Travis, Travis's character, but uh, I guess he doesn't agree.
1: Yeah, and Andy, I don't know if you've read the comics, but if you've also read the comics, that might uh, give you a different perspective on how much you care for, uh, for Morgan.
0: Yeah, that's true. Uh, you have the background of the comics with Morgan. Yeah. He wasn't just a, a mystery person on screen in season one. Yeah, so that that's the only thing I can think of that might uh, might be coloring your opinion. Yeah, but who knows? I don't know if Andy has, has read the comics, um, but um, he, he'll let us know. Please do, Andy. So, and what the,
1: the the finale there, what the heck were they walking on? It looked like a skate park or was it part of the
0: cliff that collapsed after it had been paved over? I, I think it was part of the cliffs there that, um, that, that had some sort of graffiti on it or something. No, I think it was, uh, like the whole area that they were on
1: was like this, uh, this cliff top. Over, overlooking the ocean, and then part of it, I think at some point in the fifties or sixties or forties or whatever, they had paved that section. There was a road there, and then par- due to a landslide, it all kind of collapsed down. So we had all these heaved up portions of concrete that came into like basically an impromptu hangout slash skate park.
0: Hmm. I don't know. That I, I spray painted. To me, I don't think it, I don't think it looked like a skate park. It wasn't uh, you know flat enough or smooth enough for that, but. I I just thought it was some sort of uh collapsed cliffs that had graffiti but it could be something else that was that was paved or but built.
1: It, yeah, it looked like a like broken up pavement. Yeah, maybe. And uh, concrete. So if anybody knows
0: what the heck that were the heck they were, let us know cuz that looked like an interesting spot. It it did. It looked like an interesting spot. I'm sure it's a real location. Um and one thing I I realized while watching this too is that you know, the pilot was shot in LA. The rest of the show was shot in Vancouver apparently. But they did a really good job of making it look and feel like Los Angeles. I have yeah. a feeling a little bit more than just the pilot was shot in, in actually shot in L.A.
1: Because yeah, it just, be right.
0: like, some of those locations just, I don't know, maybe I don't know British Columbia very well, but they just didn't feel like actually, you know, B.C. locations. So they, maybe they just did a really good job. Uh, I think they did a good job regardless. Yes, you're right. <laughs> yeah. All right, one more. Right, email. Next,
1: uh, we have another from Angie in Birmingham. Where do I begin? The opening scene of L.A. in Darkness was beautiful. The deal made with Andy was so uh, was to be expected, and seeing Madison leaving her neighbors to their fate was just so sad. Uh, There were a few genuinely tragic moments in this episode. Exner about to end it all after executing all her patients, the piles of ash and barely recognizable remains, seeing Travis finally break after the strain of the last few days and uh, beat the shit out of Andy, and of course that ending, finally accepting what has happened to the world and killing his wife. Uh, In an episode named for Travis, he really tried to be uh, the good man. He had to lose his goodness and pull the trigger.
0: Absolutely, Angie. Thank you for stating my feelings so succinctly because that's pretty much how and I feel. It was eloquently all, and, and eloquently, yes. Um it was it was so much so much good in this episode. I think it was really really well done. Uh okay, we've got three more emails and then we'll uh, wrap it up here. These are a little bit more general, just sort of about the series as a whole, so I thought I'd put them here at, at the end. General or in, informative and uh and uh, they don't really relate to this episode quite as directly. So Christian in San Antonio, Texas, writes, A few months ago you had mentioned in your news section that a character from Fear the Walking Dead would cross over as a guest on Season 6 of The Walking Dead. What do you guys think? Who will it be? My votes are for Tobias or the new salesman character we see helping Nick in Cobalt. Tobias would make a nice zombie victim and the salesman, that's Strand, of course, would make a good guest villain or even a wolf. So we did mention this, and at some point it came up that there would be a character crossover. And I forgot all about it while I was watching all six episodes of Fear the Walking Dead, so I wasn't really thinking about it at all. But who could it be? Like, who on this show is going to show up on the other show, um and And what circumstances could bring that on? do you have any thoughts?
1: yes, yeah, it's Tobias
0: it's Tobias yeah, oh yeah he he hits Kristen's the, right he hits the road and yeah, he goes. it's t- it's, Tob- it's Tobias for sure, okay, um
1: not the salesman guy he's gonna be on this show for season two, yeah,
0: strand, we can call him Victor strand <laughs> uh yeah, I mean Tobias is probably a pretty good guess he he flees Los Angeles, he hits the road, he goes to Washington, thinking that maybe that's where government still is and They can help him, and he ends up running into Alexandria. Yeah. He's a dumbass. He
1: should get on a boat.
0: Yeah. Everyone else
1: is getting on a boat. Take a boat. Get on a boat. (laughs) What are you you doing? Like, you don't have to stay on your boat. You could get on, uh, you could collect, you're in Los Angeles for crying out loud. I bet you there's like 400,000 huge, massive yachts that you could
0: choose from. Probably, but I don't know if I could just walk onto a yacht and like turn the key and drive it away. It might not be that easy.
1: Yeah. Well, how hard could it be? You turn the key, you start the engine, point, you let the blower go for a little while, and you take the little uh,
0: the knobby throttley things and you push it forward until the boat goes something. That's what I'm saying. Like, you take the knobby throttley thing, <laughs> if someone got into a car and said, you grab the round turny thing, and like... It's not quite enough information to drive a All car. Right.
1: Well, you, the first thing you have to do is look around for a captain's hat, because there's got to be a captain's hat, and once you put the hat on, it imbues you with the knowledge necessary to drive the boat. Okay, fair enough. Captain's hats can do that. Yeah. <laughs> All right, where the hell are we? All right, already have Ken in Sacramento uh, wrote in regarding the military in the U.S.
0: So this is in response to you responding to my question last time about how the, the U.S. works, and I thought it was interesting, so... It's appropriate that you get to read it. Yeah. So the U.S. military,
1: uh, says Ken, uh, consists of regular federal military, the Army, the Air Force, the Navy, the Marines, the Reserve, all services, and the National Guard, Army and Air Force. The regulars are full-time professionals. The reserves are part-time and on call to supplement the regulars. The National Guard is different. The National Guard is the direct descendant of the old colonial militia. Each state has its own Army National Guard and have Air National Guard forces. And and, yeah, some have Air National Guard forces. Most of the personnel in the National Guard are part-time, training one weekend a month and two weeks every summer. They are organized, equipped, and trained the same manner as the regulars, but most of the time they fall under the control of their own state's governor, not the federal authorities. Unlike the reserves, the National Guard consists of full units with lots of combat and combat support organizations. Uh, these are very useful to state governors when they have a natural disaster or a riot to deal with.
0: Right. So uh, that that's basically it. I mean, we were wondering—I was wondering what the difference is. And uh, it's really, as Ken describes, uh, almost like a part-time military, sort of. You train two weeks in the summer, one week a month, and then you're brought in for homeland-type uh, things such as natural disasters or riots or whatever. And, and the National Guard is what's responding to the zombie outbreak in the safe zone. Those guys are all National Guardsmen, at, I believe, I think. Does that clear it up for you? <laughs> yes. And it's pretty much yeah. what you said, too, anyways, right? Pretty much?
1: Well, yeah, but I didn't know how it was organized, and he obviously put it uh, a lot more eloquently
0: than I could
1: uh, speak-wise. Right, including right now. (laughs) Including (laughs) right now.
0: All right, thank you, Ken, for that. And a a bunch of people wrote in about, you know, how the military is organized in the States. Thanks to everyone for doing that. Okay, finally, we've got Stephen on the internet, and Stephen writes, wondering what your thoughts are regarding the ultimate direction of Fear the Walking Dead. This show can't end up with a team of stragglers trying to survive, since that would just be a West Coast version of The Walking Dead. So my prediction is... Fear ends up with something like a massive safe zone, like it, like an Alexandria, but bigger and in some way under the U.S. government or some semblance of that. Then the storyline down the road would be: Fear the Walking Dead is about steadily taking back civilization. Um, the rest of North America, uh, the rest of North America, and the Walking Dead would be as it is. So go to Hawaii because Hawaii's safe. Yeah. Well, Hawaii's uh, really, really far away. Catalina, I think there's an island off LA called Catalina Island or something like that. Go there, you're surrounded by water, it's close to the mainland, and set up shop. What do you got against Hawaii? It's far. It's like a four-hour flight from Los Angeles. It's pretty hard to get to. Yeah,
1: that's why it'd be safe.
0: Well, safe. Probably no zombies in Hawaii. Uh no, I bet you there are. <laughs> but
1: but <laughs> why? Well, there's a lot of people in Hawaii. <laughs> well, there is, and, but you know, it's 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 isolated. So, uh maybe the they've sealed off the island long yeah. before they,
0: you know, really got into trouble. Okay, uh, that's that's fine at all. I'm just that's saying That's the new like, head of the military. That's where the uh that's where everything is. I I would go there. You're right. I'm just saying Hawaii's hard to get to. Like you need a a a decent sized boat, I think, if you're well, going to boat. they have like, one. Did, could that boat get to Hawaii? I don't know. Yes.
1: Really, it's an ocean-going yacht. I'm sure that it could get to Hawaii. I'm sure you know if it gets into trouble, uh, that it might get uh, lost on a uh, deserted island. But that'd be okay too, because then they could save Gilligan and the skipper. And I'm sure that they're
0: not zombies. No, of course not. I, I'm just—we're getting off topic here. But I think uh, Hawaii just feels a little far away. If you're gonna—if you're gonna go somewhere, um, to back to Stephen's point, what is this show going to be about long term? Um I think his idea would be interesting, sort of a uh a a large safe zone where civilization is somehow managing to survive and they're working at putting things back together whereas on the east coast it's all fallen apart, and you know there's nothing left um do I think that's gonna happen? Probably not. I have a no, feeling it's gonna be a
1: ragtag group of survivors just struggling to uh to stay alive
0: day to day. I have a feeling that's exactly what it's going to be and as he says a bit of a west coast version of the walking dead now they can mix up the story and do different things and and just tell it a different way but i'd be surprised if they divert from that formula too much yeah but but hey if they do that would be great i mean i've always said this show needs to be unique and needs to be different from the walking dead in some way in in some significant way and uh i don't know if it has been so far really well not yet well, I mean it hasn't really been that different now and it's not going to get any more different going forward. So, right. I don't know. Anyways, thank you everyone for writing in. Um, here I'm going to I'm going to play this cuz I don't get to very often.
1: Next week on The Walking
0: Dead. <laughs> that's That's right everybody. Next week the main show The Walking Dead returns um season 6 episode 1. I'm going to I'm going to read the, the uh, what's it called here, the um, summary from AMC. So if you don't want to hear this or you don't want to hear who the director is, um, I think you should tune out now. But uh, thank you for listening, and uh, we will be back next week with our regular uh, recap and discussion of Season 6, Episode 1. So here is what uh, it's called. The episode is called First Time Again. It's <laughs> so not confusing or we're s- roundabout. Starting over. Yep. And the description from AMC is Rick and the group are still having trouble assimilating into Alexandria. Will a new threat bring them closer together or drive them a- further apart? Another new threat. Do you remember at the beginning of season five, there was a new threat and it was the flu <laughs> or it was the sickness Yeah. that everybody got? <laughs> well, uh, this is going to be the wolves, right? I get, well, who knows? I I would think so. Um, but we don't really know for sure. Maybe the so you new thing threat- is going to be like a big box of attack bunnies. It could be. Maybe the new threat is simply, you know, Rick's group not seeing eye to eye with Alexandria and they can't get along, therefore they're careless and they let their guard down and something happens. I don't know. The threat of not seeing eye to eye with your friends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh no, it's so threatening. Yeah, so I don't know. It's directed, though, by Greg Nicotero, who seems to do all the big finales and and season premieres and so on, and it was written by Scott Gimple, the showrunner, and Matthew Negrete, so uh, who, you know, they've they've done some good writing on this show before. Um, And there have been some reviews out of this already. It was screened for the press, and the reviews have been good, very good. Oh, good, good, good. So we could be in for a treat next week um, when The Walking Dead returns. And frankly, I'm looking forward to it. I, as much as I enjoyed Fear the Walking Dead, it sort of has given me an appetite for the main show, and I'm looking forward to, uh, to, uh, getting back into it.
1: I'm, I'm going to go sit down in front of the TV right now and wait.
0: And just wait, turn it on. And just wait, just turn it on, sit by the warm glow, and just wait for it to come on. Yeah, that's a good idea. Just turn on AMC and Put toothpicks in your eyes so you don't blink. You don't want. No, to mis- I have
1: those. I have those eye clips, like in a uh, Clockwork Orange. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah, I got my. I uh, just lie there looking at the TV. My wife's got the eyedropper to put in uh, saline solution so that my eyes don't dry out. We got a. We got a
0: plan. <laughs> Jason, why did you get fired? Well, I put on <laughs> eye clips and didn't turn my head away from the TV for a week. <laughs> yeah, we bought like sixteen bags of chips. We're Yeah, we're all set. Oh, you're good, man. <laughs> yeah, we're good. See you next week. All right. Um, okay, that's good. That'll be exciting. We are going to go back to our regular format down here, uh, for the podcast. And by down here, I mean in my basement, I guess. Um, (laughs) we're going to be recapping it like we always do. We're going to do a show on Monday, a feedback show on Wednesday. So, uh, back in the saddle, everyone. So uh, you do have sort of, you know, Sunday night, Monday, Tuesday, and all day Wednesday to send feedback, and then we'll get to it. Holy crap moments, all that good stuff. Um, All right. That's gonna do it. That's gonna wrap up this episode. It was a it was a big episode and uh it was fun. So was super fun. If you want to get in contact, visit TalkingDeadPodcast.com. That's our website. You can listen to all of our past episodes there. And you can also click the send voicemail button to uh send us a message if you'd like to do that. And uh you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com/slash the talking dead or on Twitter at talking dead. And of course, you can send email to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. Just before we go, once again, I want to thank Audible for their support of this episode. Remember, you can get a free audiobook and a 30-day trial uh, by signing up at audible.com slash talkingdead. That's audible.com slash talkingdead for a free audiobook of your choice of the 180,000 titles that they have. So you're bound to find something that tickles your fancy. Thanks to Audible for their support. And uh, that's it. Until next time, my name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening.